once again, my friends, to the Global Gale podcast. My name is Philip O'Connor and the football fever is very much underway. The girls in green went out on Thursday evening in Sydney in front of over 75,000 people and they lost to the only goal of a game, a penalty in the second half uh, to host Nation Australia, gave a great account of themselves. And as I was saying there a little while ago, that we're going to dedicate some time over these weeks that Ireland are involved in the World Cup to covering what the girls are doing there and to give you an insight into their opponents that they're going to be meeting down in Australia. Right. So uh, we've had a little bit of insight about Australia itself in the last podcast. Uh, we had Joey and we had Isabel explaining the whole context of the World Cup. And this week we're going to hear from their next opponent, right? Well, not directly from their next opponent because the girls are in camp now, so they're not going to talk to us directly. But I spoke to a very good friend of mine named Harji Johal, and you're going to hear from her very soon. Uh, Harji lives in, uh, or I just call her Har, and I have done for all the time I've known her. She lives in Vancouver in Canada. She follows the team. She's in Australia now. And I spoke to her before she went down there. But let's have a quick look back over it because there's a few things that popped up here, right? The first thing is, obviously, I would have loved to have been down there with the Irish community in Australia, hanging out with you before the games, hearing you as our yarns, maybe doing a few interviews and that kind of thing. And maybe the next time that any Irish team uh, qualifies for a World Cup, I'll be able to do that. Hopefully together we will have grown the podcast by that stage to the point where I'll be able to do that kind of thing. I had great ambitions to do live shows and that kind of thing. But um, I was talking to another Irishman, actually, uh, who works for a big news agency. And I was saying he works with logistics. And I was saying to him, can you help me out here working out what it would cost? And to go down to the World Cup in Australia and to be there for the whole month, right? So not just while the girls in green are there, but to be there for the whole month until the final, you know, a few days beforehand until the final, then flying out the day afterwards. He estimated, and this is a man who does this kind of thing for a living, that it would cost €26,000. Now, I don't know what that is in the currency where you find yourself in the world, whether that's in Indonesia or in Ireland or in Canada, whatever. A lot of money, lads. A lot of money. And I wasn't able to invest and I would have loved to have gone down there and experienced that. So it would have been nice now, as I say, I pushed out the boat in terms of trying to get uh, media outlets or sponsors or anybody to do it. And it wasn't to be. And that's grand. But what's very encouraging is the amount of people that I've seen I have a WhatsApp group of lads that I've watched uh, Irish football matches or Irish football teams with for years and Irish football players with. And it's very active. It doesn't matter if it's St. Pat's Athletic playing away in Europe or whatever. But it's great to see the level of interest that there is in the women's team, which wasn't really there before. Or if it was there, it was very lukewarm. It was, oh, yeah, the girls are playing, they won or they lost. But now people are very engaged in it, and it's brilliant. And what was great to see was people were so engaged around what happened. But there was one or two things. I don't know if you saw. The major one for me was a piece in the Irish Times. I mentioned there in the beginning that uh, in the game against Australia, it was decided by a penalty in the second half. Uh, Steph Catley scored a penalty for Australia. It was a great penalty. But uh, Marissa Sheva, who's come into the team, I think she was only playing in her fifth or sixth international for Ireland. She's 26 years old. And she was the one who gave away the penalty, right? And there was an article in the Irish, in the Irish Times there, written by Malachy Clark, and who's an excellent sports journalist. But he referred to what uh, Marissa did as an unforgivable mistake, right? And lads, I, I don't think that's okay. 
right? I don't think that it's fair to say that a mistake that a young woman makes, young professional footballer, uh, doing our best for a country makes is unforgivable. It's very much forgivable. In fact, her own teammates forgave her instantly, as did pretty much everybody else, right? Hayley Rasso ran inside her and uh, Marissa tried to keep up and she just, she ended up on the wrong side and she put her hands out and the moment you da- do that against an experienced player, right? Or, you know, you're tangled with their legs, they're going down the box, lads, especially at this level of the World Cup, right? Was it mistake absolutely was it unforgivable absolutely not right and years ago and it's gone back many years now uh, i've sort of supported and written about and tried to push the women's football for a long time and a player who was in the irish team i'm not going to say her name because i don't have her permission to tell you this story and it's one of those things that she contacted me privately about but she said to me uh, and about a similar situation that happened many years ago and she said you have to be more critical right you have to when somebody does something like this you have to call it out you can't just talk about the positives and that kind of thing and i fully agree with that girl and i have been more critical yeah okay you know you call these absolutely right but you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. you don't say oh you know marissa's a terrible footballer you don't say that she's you know a hopeless player she should never play for her again you just don't do things like that right because in her situation she did or she was doing her best in that situation and it didn't work out and it's that simple and the thing that sort of um I had some idiot on Twitter there going, oh, you know, do women not want equality? I go, yeah. But there's two things there, pal, right? One is that they want to be treated the same way. They want to be criticised the same way and held to the same standards. At the same time, lads, they get paid a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of what the male players pay uh, get paid, right? They get the same thing. I don't think, I'm not sure if Ireland is one of the countries where it's equal now in terms of the match fees that they get, but there was a time where the girls used to get literally 40 or 50 euros a day as a per diem, and that was taken away by the Football Association of Ireland, right? And that's why I'm so careful about how we phrase the criticism. Not about not criticising them at all, but how, how do we couch that criticism? What words do we use, right? And it's, to me, especially with this team and with women's football in general, criticise the action, not the player. Criticise, you know, she was doing her best. It's not like she went out there deliberately. It wasn't like she went out there and cleaned the girl out or that kind of thing. Uh, you know, and yeah, these things happen, you know. Um, it was an odd game because towards the end of it, we did our usual thing, which Tony Gustafsson, who is the uh, the Australia coach, those of you who live in Australia, be well aware of him, a Swedish lad who's down there coaching. He said before the game that Ireland had certain behaviours, is how we put it, and they were going to exploit them. And they tried to pick on Heather Payne, who was playing at right wing back for Ireland. It didn't really work out for them, but they tried it all the same. But then... Ireland played into their hands when the Australia went ahead, right? And late in the game then, we threw Louise Quinn from Wicklow up front. Louise, a brilliant footballer, great head of the ball, right? But it's a real sort of pub football tactic, lads. Taking one of our centre-backs and throwing them up front. Now, Louise is brilliant and she gives her all for Ireland when she's up there. But that's what Vera Powell always does when we're up there. And I just don't think, again, it's just not the kind of thing you can do at this level. You can do it against Georgia if you're playing in, you know, a, a qualifier somewhere, you know, against a team that's physically smaller and weaker and doesn't have the same experience absolutely trying to against australia against the 10th ranked country in the world in a world cup on our home soil ah no no you can't be doing that whatsoever you know and what we ended up doing was we left Donegal woman amber barrett on the bench right and twitter was alive and blue sky was alive and i'm sure threads by facebook would have been alive as well if we had it in europe where people go can we not put amber barrett on here and it's great to see you know that people are taking the interest in that and that they know who amber is and they know what our qualities are and what she would have brought to a situation like that i would have loved to have seen her there 
Uh, that brings us on now to our next game and to this week's podcast for you lads. Before I bring you this interview with Harjeet Johal, um, basically this is a community supported podcast. It only exists because you exist. Where there's no advertisers, no sponsors, no nothing like that as yet. And if I could, I'd like to keep it that way because I'd like to keep that between you and me. Between me putting out the podcast and the guests that we have and the listener, right? So if you can throw in a fiver a month, patreon.com forward slash arrowman in Stockholm. Patreon.com forward slash arrowman in Stockholm. And help me keep this going because I was only talking to somebody the other day and they were asking me about, you know, how my work is divided up because, you know, obviously I work with sports journalism and I write all sorts of things for people and I film stuff and I do that kind of thing. But I'd really love to be able to dedicate myself to doing more and more and more this kind of work for the Irish community, both in Sweden and in Ireland and around the world. So if you can help me build up that audience and if you can help me build up that income, that would be absolutely brilliant. And you know what? It'll always be free, right? I'm not putting it behind a paywall. That's never going to happen. You know, it's just, as I say, I remember what it was like to be poor abroad once, right? But if you can't afford it, that's grand. That's no problem whatsoever. As Blind Boy says, that's the soundness model, right? But do me a favour and share these chats and these bonus podcasts about the World Cup and all that kind of thing as well. Uh, so that you know it reaches that wider audience and maybe the person that you introduce it to or that you tag on Facebook or that you send it in your Instagram story maybe they'll be the ones who are able to pay a fiver a month for it so that's how this works lad. so if you could spread these things that'd be great and last but not least any stories that you have from anywhere in the uh, around the world right the Global Gale podcast started on the premise that there's no such thing as an ordinary Irish person abroad right and I fully believe that lads and I was saying that to somebody the other day and they were going well I'm fairly ordinary and then they proceed to tell me the wildest story that you've ever heard. Now, I don't even know if I can bring it to you on the podcast, but I shall try to convince them. So if you do have any stories like that yourself, any experiences, depending on where you are, as I say, South America and Africa and Canada and places like that, they are places that we haven't really touched on too much yet. So do get in touch with the podcast. Don't hide your talent under the bushel, right? Uh, get in touch with me and we'll get you on here. We're trying to line up guests now for, for the rest of the year, you know, after the World Cup is over. So you're more than welcome to get in touch and to pitch your story to me and lads I very very seldom say no right if you're capable of getting on a microphone and having a good chat with me that people are going to be interested in hearing well by Jesus I'll put you out here once a week right anyway uh, let us get the lowdown on Canada. Now, the background to this conversation, right? Uh, her is up to her ears down below in Australia. She was telling me it's freezing there. She's on her way to Melbourne at the moment. Uh, and she's down there working away. So we did these conversations. And the chap, Samuel, is going to be talking about Nigeria as well. We did these conversations before the games kicked off. So since this conversation took place, Ireland lost narrowly 1-0 to Australia. Canada played against Nigeria. Scoreless draw. Christine Sinclair, who you'll hear mentioned in the podcast, she missed a penalty. And, you know, Har basically sent me a text today saying same old same old for Canada they're struggling to score goals right but it's well worth listening to anyway because she'll give you a real insight into the tactics and the situation with the Canadian FA which is not good lads if you thought the Irish girls going on strike six years ago was bad darts you know this is just as bad nearly so let us have a listen to this and the game then is on I'll tell you what I'll tell you afterwards I'll tell you what time the game is on and how you can watch it and everything else like that but for now Harjee Johal talking about Canada at the Women's World Cup lads so where would you get it? you get it on the Global Gale that's where (laughs) 
Qatar five hours before you are set to depart for the World Cup and you're going to give us the lowdown on the Canadian soccer team, right? Let me let me paint a picture for you. It's the Olympic final. Canada have just beaten Sweden on penalties. This should be the start of something absolutely magnificent for the Canadian women's soccer team. And instead, it's all kind of gone to the dogs for them in terms of the organisation and the relationship with the Football Association there since then. What's going on, Har? First of all, are you saying they're going to beat Sweden on penalties again? Because you do live in Sweden. So be careful. This is it. This is it. But you know, let's let's forget Tokyo for now. But like that was like you know the high point of what they did. You know, so how did it all go wrong from there, or was it already going wrong when they did that? Yeah, it was. You know, it wasn't that it just happened overnight, and you know the stuff hit the fan. It was the slow building. Uh, ascension where you know they've been dealing with labor issues off the field for well over a year now they've been uh, negotiating in good faith and that hasn't come to a fruition where they've been able to get a long-term cba deal and so it, it came to a head at the she believes cup in february in the united states uh, they you know they wanted to go on strike but of course you know they don't make a lot of money and they couldn't risk getting sued so they went back and they played uh, in that tournament and you can see how frustrated and exhausted they were in those three games and so now as we head into the world cup this week they're hoping to you know, have their play on the field show how good they are and that labor stuff is going to take a bit of a back seat and they're going to want to play well and then that's going to it's going to be there it's never too far away but right now the focus is on football irish fans listen to that are going to be rubbing their hands and go yes this is the best time ever to play Canada. Results haven't been great this year, Har. I don't think, like last year, they were pretty okay, but they haven't been great because perhaps in part, they didn't get the preparation that they wanted and they have been arguing with the association. When you looked at them play this year, what do you see? Do you see a team that's doing its best or a team that's just phoning it in? No, I don't think they're phoning it in at all. I think, you know, they're playing tier one opposition. They're playing really tough teams. You know, these aren't CONCACAF teams. You know, they're going up against the, the best the world has in the U.S., uh, England, Japan, Brazil, France. So these are top teams, and, you know, we're seeing how good they are. And as, we've, uh, as we all know, Canada struggles to score goals, and that's, that's shown itself in, in some of these games. They scored three goals so far this year, and they've been shut out uh, three times. So you know, they've got to get goals somewhere, and, and they're not phoning in for sure. They're obviously trying. Their defense has been fantastic, I would say. The defense is a, a core element of the team. So I think as the, you know, they play that, that middle game against Ireland, you know, they're not going to be playing against Colombia, but it's going to be a physical game for sure, and we'll, and we'll see uh, who can get the, uh, the three points. I think Canada, if you look at that team, you know, the Ireland game, that's the one where you've got to get three points, and no disrespect to Ireland, but it's their first World Cup. And if you're Canon, if you're Canadians, you've got to get three and there's no questions about it. Um, is that how Ireland are being seen, Har? Is it like, you know, okay, of all the games now, we're, we're up against Australia, the host nation. You're up against Nigeria, but historically the best team in Africa, men or women. Nobody has achieved like the Nigerian national team has. Is everybody in Canada looking at that Ireland game and going, okay, guys, we have to have three points. We just have to win that game. I know. I think so. I don't know how many people are going to want to say that out loud, but yeah, the Ireland game, the middle game, that's going to be the game where Canada's got to get three points because Nigeria, they play Canada really well. They played uh, uh, recently during the, uh, the celebration tour. They played in Vancouver and Victoria. They played Australia in September and those were close games, but Ireland, uh, they don't have a huge history against them. Uh, we, we expect a 4-5-1, a, a very defensive game and 
So Ireland's going to probably sit back and Canada's going to dictate play. And, you know, they're not great at that. They like to get you on the counter. So we'll see if they can adjust for that. They know how uh, Ireland plays. So, yeah, you know, they've got to get three points because you go into that third game against Australia. Anything can happen, you know, in Melbourne. They're going to be cheering for us, the Aussies. They're going to be uh, a home favorite. and It's going to be tough for Canada. So you want to get your points early while you can. And so you can top the group. I think going into the group, Ireland, you know, people are four. I would say they're the fourth best team in that group. I, I don't know how you don't, how, how that's not believed. Oh my God, don't go to Dublin at any point in the near future. I'll have to go there. Protect your sister. This is not going to go well. And there is also the risk that, say Australia win the first two games and they're pretty much guaranteed that they're going to go through. Do you think that Australia might say, okay, forget it, Canada. We're not going to put in our best players here. We're going to let the other 10, 12 girls who are at the other end of the bench, we're going to let them play. Do you see that as a possibility? Or is the risk, will, will Australia be wanting to win the group and have three victories in that group? You know, And Canada will probably want to be doing the same, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, you know, as the home country, you don't really want to do that. You want to go on and put a show on for your fans. You want to really have a, a strong, a great tournament and, and Sam Kerr against Canada. I mean, that's going to be a, a phenomenal matchup. I think you can't really take a, a game off if you're the Australians. You want to have your best tournament and you want to win that group because Canada is going to be right there battling for the top spot. And if, if you come in second, you know, you're maybe going to have to play England in that crossover and that could be dangerous for whoever comes in second in that group so you got to win the group and you hope you get Denmark or maybe China and Sydney so yeah that game's going to be key I don't know if it's Canada or Australia if either team's going to want to rest their players but yeah you, I don't think you can it's it's a world cup you got to go and do your best um, you mentioned Canada wanting to sit back, wanting to hit teams on the break. Ireland is that kind of team as well. What's Canada like defending on the break? Do they have good one-on-one -on -one defenders? Do they work together well as a unit? Do they have a good goalkeeper now? Because, you know, that, that has changed since the Olympics too. Yeah, they have a fantastic goalkeeper. Uh, Kaylin Sher Sheridan is the number one. She plays in San Diego in the NWSL. She's a brick wall. She's fantastic. She makes unbelievable saves. There's not a game that goes by where she hasn't made an electrifying save. Uh, she was the NWSL goalkeeper of the year last year. So she's she's got a strong resume. And in front of her, we're going to have uh, Kadisha Buchanan and Vanessa Gilles as the two center backs anchoring the back line. And then Ashley Lawrence and uh, Jade Revere on the fullback. So it's a very strong defense for Canada. And that's really their hallmark. It's their bread and butter because we know they can't really score. They have challenges scoring. So you, know, you can't really lose if you don't allow any goals. And so that's what they're going to be doing. That's what they're aiming for is to get a clean sheet and, you know, nick a goal off a set piece or a corner or a penalty. They don't care how it goes in. So it's going to be a low scoring games and the defense is the, uh, the heart of Canada's game. Um. Christine Sinclair is now up to over 300 caps. I think, has she got like 190 goals for Canada, something like that, something just out of this world. How important is she to this team? I remember going to that Olympic final. I was one of a handful of people in the stadium. And I was thinking, how does she keep doing this? And I still don't have the answer. Do you have any answers for me? She's in great, phenomenal shape. You know, she's still playing really well for her club team in Portland. She's still banging in the goals. So she's, She's doing what she's always done. She's just maybe adapting as she gets a little bit older. She's 40 now, and so this will be her sixth World Cup. But, you know, she shines at the World Cup. She scored 10 World Cup goals. And anytime you have a player uh, on your roster with that caliber, with that resume as Sinclair, she's dangerous. And she, 
she's a threat. So uh, I don't think she'll play all three games, 90 minutes. I don't see that at all. We talked about that Ireland game. I think that could be a game where she maybe bench. She comes off the bench. Maybe she doesn't play at all, depending how Canada does against Nigeria. But you know, she's going to sit kind of back, maybe a little bit as an attacking midfielder, and then wait for her opportunity in the box. You know, she's not going to go, you know, dribble through half the team. She's going to get a clinical finish. She doesn't need a lot of time and space to bang in those goals with that rocket shot. Maybe she can get a header. So she's still very important for Canada. And I think as the tournament goes on, they're going to manage her minutes because it's a long tournament. It's not like the Olympics. And you want a fresh and healthy Sinclair as you get into those knockout games. So she's very important, but it's not just about Christine. There's you know, several other players like Fleming, uh, Prince, Rose, Haidema, Chloe Lacasse. So they have a lot of options. Uh, Grosso, who can score goals. It's not just about Christine Sinclair. Why do Canada struggle to score goals here? Sometimes you have a situation where you create the chances, but the damn ball just won't go in the net, right? Are, t- are Canada a team that create a lot of chances but just aren't good at finishing them? Or are they so conservative that they only create maybe two or th- three chances in a game? It's a bit of both. You know, some games against maybe tier one oppositions, maybe they don't, they don't have uh, as many chances as you would like. And so when you have that, you really have to be clinical and capitalize. You know, in, in other games, they have a lot of chances and maybe they're not as finishing as much as the fans would want to see. So they are creating chances. It's just, it just could be some bad luck as well, but they're not scoring, you know, three or four or five goals a game. I, I don't expect them to. They're going to be low scoring, you know, one nail, two, one, two, zero games that Canada is going to play. So they have the talent. We've seen how well uh, these players do at the club level. Uh, Jordan Heidema is in form with OL Reign. Uh, Chloe Lecast just moved to Arsenal. And she was scoring tons of goals in Portugal. And uh, Michelle Prince and Deanne Rose are coming back from injury, and there will be options. And Jesse Fleming, we know how great she is. So they have the talent, just you know, getting that together and getting the ball to go across the line. Gotta be tough. Um, I think it was ten years ago this year that we met for the first time in a tournament. You came over to do the Euros in Sweden in twenty thirteen. Yes. Yes. Um, we we covered games together. We'd often sit there in the press box, and there'd be plenty of space there. There wouldn't be so many fans. You're going to a tournament now where you're going to see your country play the host nation. It's going to be sold out. There's going to be maybe forty, fifty, sixty thousand people. Eighty-two thousand tickets sold for the Iron uh, for the Ireland game. How does that feel for you as somebody who has written about women's football for so long to see that development in 10 years? Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's pretty awesome. I remember that tournament. I think we were in Lin Chopin. You know, yep. there's a lot of fans, but the press box, you know, you could put your arms out and there wasn't a lot of people in there. So the game has definitely grown where there's way more media, there's more fans, there's more attention. I think it's great because it, it shows how shows how awesome these uh, female footballers are, and how you know how well they're doing and contributing, and it puts the, the the tournament on another level. And I think it's just phenomenal. These players deserve it. The coaching staff and everyone involved. So it's fantastic, and I'm excited to cover my my third World Cup. I'm not excited about this long flight that I have coming up in the evening. So uh, we'll see how that gets on. Um, what what way are you going to cover this? Because th- things have changed in 10 years as well, right? We used to sort of write stuff that would come out in newspapers the next day and that kind of thing. Now we're very much into an online world. Are you going to be mostly writing articles? Are you going to be talking on the radio? Are you going to be doing TV, social media, being an influencer? How, how are you going to cover it? 
a lot online, you know, the newspapers, they're not doing so well. So uh, online is the way to go. I'll be writing for Equalizer Soccer as I've done since 2012. Um, Daily Hive in Vancouver, I'll be doing some stuff for them. So it's just a lot of, you know, finding your medium and finding where you can kind of fit in. And um, yeah, I'll be doing a bit of podcasting, uh, uh, a, bit of, a bit of radio, perhaps. I mean, whoever wants to make that money, right? So I'll do, you know, I'll be doing some stuff here and there. You'll see me around it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome. Okay, we need you to paint some scenarios first, right? Because by the time this comes out, the first game is going to have been played, right? So say Canada beat Nigeria, will, will that change the way they play against Ireland at all? Or if Canada lose to Nigeria, will they be more expansive, more ambitious, more attacking when they play Ireland? I mean, if they lose to Nigeria, definitely, yeah. I mean, can't go into the first two games and only have one or zero points. So if they take an L, definitely that will... I would say maybe change their approach and they're going to have to you know, start that game in Perth right out of the gate with some goals and get firing on all cylinders. Now, if they win, if they beat Nigeria, I think we could see a bit of a cautious approach to start the game from that free spin. You know, maybe we mentioned Sinclair might get rested, maybe uh, some midfielders or a, a defender. So I think it depends on that first game. You know, if you want to get a win and then be able to dictate how you go throughout the tournament. You know, if you, if you lose, you're kind of back, you know, you're kind of catching up. So that first game is going to be integral for not just Canada, but for all the teams in the tournament. You want to get off to a great start. And we haven't mentioned the travel, but having to go from Melbourne all the way to Perth, it's, you know, it's like flying from Vancouver to Toronto. And you know, Canadians are used to the, our big country and having to fly around a lot. So that's one of the reasons why Canada went to Australia on June 28th. They've been training. Uh, there so they want to get acclimated to the weather the flights and how that's going to be so you know the travel is going to be a big issue and i don't think we mentioned ireland you know they have even worse travel schedule than canada i think they're way over on the east coast and they go to perth and they go back so uh, that's a big factor for some of these teams at the world cup it's going to be tough. Um, Canada have done really well in the Olympics. Okay, I think two bronze medals and then the gold medal last time out and that kind of thing. And um, what do you expect? What does Canada, or the Canadian fans, Canadian journalists, Canadian people, what do you expect from your team at the World Cup? What would you be happy with, and what would you, what would represent success for you guys? I think making it to a semi-final would be really strong. Would be really good. Obviously, they've not had success at the World Cup. They made the semis in 2003, which was, of course, Christine Sinclair's first World Cup tournament. We know how well they've done at the Olympics. You know, it's a, a different tournament. There's fewer games, uh, fewer teams, smaller size roster. There's not as many uh, days off in between games. And for whatever reason, they seem to do a lot better at the Olympic Games. So as they go into Australia, it's going to be about how can we take some of what we've done at the Olympics and then show that we can do the same at a world cup on a bigger stage you know there's more teams there's more talent there's a lot more games more travel so i think you know if they can get to the round of 16 quarterfinal semifinal i think that would be fantastic but you know you want to win you're not just going there to play and have fun you want to come back number one you want to win the world cup and i think if we look to uh, the neighbors to the south in the united states it's win or nothing. You know, that's the kind of mindset I, I think Canadians would like to have. And I think they would like to see that with Canada. And so it's not a, a huge 
belief, but I think it's shifting towards that mentality of, you know, Canada doesn't get enough respect and they should be treated as a threat and a team that can go and win it all. So uh, I think if they get to the semis, that would be good. Obviously, we want Canada to win. Canadians want them to do well. So that's going to be uh, interesting to see how they navigate that, which path they're on. What's the balance like? We mentioned Christine Sinclair, 40 years of age. She's play- I can't believe it was 2003 when her first World Cup, she played her first World Cup. What's, but what's the balance of the rest of the squad like? Is it very experienced? Is there a lot of new young players coming through? Where are Canada at the moment in terms of their development? It's a mix. So there's a lot of players that you know fans will recognize from the Olympics in Tokyo. A lot of veterans, uh, a lot of players returning. There's not a, a huge shift. Uh, obviously, the biggest change would be Stephanie LeBay has retired, and so Kaylin Sheridan is the number one. You know, but she's been around for a while. People at the NWSL they know Kaylin and how well she is. Um, you know, in the midfield it, it's quite similar. Quinn, uh, Jesse Fleming, Julia Grosso, and Sophie Schmidt—they're going to be he- anchoring heavy minutes in the midfield. And Desiree Scott's injured; she wasn't able to come back from her knee injury, so she's going to be a huge miss on and off the pitch. You know, up top. Leon, Heidema, Sinclair, Prince, Rose, Vienne, Lacasse, you know, they've got a lot of similar uh, players and faces. And if you look at the back end, you know, Kadisha, Vanessa, Gio, Sadorsky, Lawrence, you know, these are uh, names that are uh, people are very familiar with because they play in big clubs around the world. So there's a, a big mix. Uh, in terms of younger players, uh, Beth Pressman took Simi Rujo and Olivia Smith. So they're, you know, they're younger players and We'll see how they how they're involved and what kind of minutes we get. You know, this could be an opportunity for them to grow and kind of see how they settle in uh, to their careers because they're so young. But I think you know it's going to be a heavy veteran roster that that depends on to do that lifting. You mentioned Quinn there in the midfield, the first non-binary person to win an Olympic gold medal. How big a story is of is that in Canada? Was that a big thing when when they won a gold medal? Yeah, when Quinn won Quinn when they won the gold in, in Tokyo. Yeah, that was a huge story. It's a, a tremendous accomplishment. And we, we are talking about it right now. And so to do that, to be the first to make history, it's uh, fantastic for them. And I think uh, hopefully it allows more players to be uh, their authentic selves. And that can be an opportunity for Quinn to be a role model for the younger generation coming up. It's one of those subjects that comes up a lot these days as trans athletes in sports. And yet Canada seems to be very happy to have a, a trans or non-binary person in the team. Is that sort of, you know, uh, one of the points that comes up on occasion that, hey, this is a good thing, you know, that we had this athlete in our Olympic team and they won? I don't think so. I think people are people are of the mind of, you know, Quinn. They're yeah. there, you know, they're making a big contribution. You know, you don't mean... There doesn't need to be something where Quinn is the face of, you know, everything on billboards or magazines. Uh, Quinn's just accepted a member of the team and, you know, they're treated like another player on the team as well. What are you most looking forward to, Har, apart from finding something that tastes better than Dunkin' Donuts coffee? Um, they don't have Dunkin' down there? I wasn't aware of that. I really hope not. It's the worst coffee in the world. We've never agreed on this subject, but there you go. <laughs> I'm looking forward to see what kind of biscuits they have. Maybe see some kangaroos, wildlife, some penguins. Nothing too crazy. <laughs> the, the usual, the, the occasional wallaby. Do you expect that you'll I'm have not much? I'm happy about the weather. The weather is going to be, you know, cold. I'm sitting out here in my t-shirt and I've got to put layers on. I don't like that. 
Yeah, well, for a Canadian, at least you, you're going to go down there prepared. There's so many British people, Irish people who wind up down there wonder what the hell is going on. Do you think yeah. you'll actually get to see any of Australia? Or are you going to be so busy that you just, you're going to be going from airport to hotel to game? Yeah, and you know, basically, you know, we've covered tournaments. We know what it's like. I'm not sure, you know, the average fan thinks so. You get to go see the Sydney Opera House or scuba diving at Bondi Beach. And when am I going to have time for that? I don't have time for that. As soon as I, I arrive, I've got to get to Melbourne and I got to get up to a practice or a training session or, or get my credential. I don't have time to swan around and go see some penguins. So we'll see. Maybe there, maybe if the team has an off day or a travel day, I can sneak in a couple of hours and go somewhere. But for the most part, you know, we're eating, we're sleeping, and we're covering the team. We're doing you know, not a lot else. And we're not eating five star here. We're eating like a biscuit and a yogurt for dinner. So that's not great. You know what? I'd rather be eating a biscuit and a yogurt uh, for dinner with you than to eating in some Michelin starred place back home. I'm delighted that yeah. you're getting the chance to go there and to follow Canada. And maybe we might check in with you during the tournament as well. But for now, Harji Johal, bon voyage and the best of luck in the World Cup, apart from against Ireland, my friend. Thank you for having me, Phil. It's so lovely to see you again. Fantastic. Talk soon. The world's all-time record international goal scorer. It's Christine Sinclair. And she's denied. Nadozi able to scoop it away. And Canada's golden chance is missed. It was a moment at history for Christine Sinclair, who has scored in five previous World Cups. No one has ever scored in six. Steps up, opens her foot up. It's not close enough to the corner. Great save, great save by Endozi. Strong arm, powerful save. As firm as can be and just denies Christine Sinclair from the spot. There you go. That was Harji Johal there. And then we heard the clip of Christine Sinclair missing that penalty. And Dozy doing a great job to get down to her left and uh, to make a very strong save. Now, it wasn't the best struck penalty I've ever seen in my life, but still, you would have expected uh, somebody like Christine Sinclair to slot that away as many international goals as she has scored. Now, she'll have a chance again in the very near future because Ireland play Canada this coming Wednesday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, Central European time. Why am I saying Central European time? I live in Stockholm, lads, so that's Central European time. It'll be 1pm. It'll be bang on lunchtime there back in Ireland. And who knows, it's July, it's late July, you might be able to sneak out there and uh, you know while you're having your lunch and not go back to work at all, if you've any luck whatsoever. But uh, yeah, so that is definitely a game that you want to be in front of your television set for will Vera Powell make any changes will Amber Barrett get a run uh, will uh, Courtney Brosnan continue to be brilliant in goal will Katie McKay be kicked up and down the field again as she was against Australia who knows who can tell but tune in anyway lads and after that a sort of a day or two after that I will bring you uh, another podcast which will preview the final game in the group uh, against Nigeria with well, more background about Nigeria who to watch the kind of tactics they, they have kind of like the interview with Hardy right and then as soon as the Irish girls go out normal service will be resumed on the global gale podcast and um, do let me know what you think if you're enjoying these sports podcasts then we'll do them for the, with the rugby world cup and that kind of thing as well and sure if you don't we probably won't as i say community-based podcast is only here because you're here lads and whatever you want i'm more than happy to give for you give to you 
Uh, enjoy the game on Wednesday uh, no matter where you're watching it or who you're watching it with as I say I wish I was down there to see it myself in the meantime look after yourselves look after one another and I shall talk to you again very soon on the Global Gale podcast good luck (laughs) 